Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. This is episode number 129. My name is Jody Livingston, and I'm really excited for you to join us today. If it's your first time listening, we especially want to welcome you to the podcast. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming on back, and hopefully you are a member of the Super Secret Podcast Group. If not, loved you. Have you joined there? I'll have a link for that in the show notes as well as any other resources that are mentioned in today's podcast episode. Again, really excited for today. Good friend of mine, Eric Holmstrom, joining the show. And to be fair, this is actually a conversation that he and I had quite some time ago. So pulling it out from the Wayback Machine. Eric smiles more than anybody I know. Uh, makes me look really bad when he's holding the mic because he's really good in front of folks and on stage. Just a funny guy, great youth pastor, great church over here on the left coast. And so Eric jumping on today to share some wisdom. He and I were texting actually before this conversation. I just said, hey, if you had a chance to sit in front of some youth pastors and share wisdom from the longevity that you've experienced. What I love about Eric is that Eric's longevity doesn't just come in youth ministry, but he's really planted himself where he's been for quite some time now. And he's really seen the fruit of that. And so just that conversation, hey, what would you say? What would you share? And he really didn't hesitate, man. He came right back with some some pretty good gold. And so I said, hey, you know what? Why don't you come on the podcast and we'll talk about that and talk through that? Because I think it'd be really helpful. So for our listeners for today, so here we are today with all that. And I'm excited to you, for you to hear from Eric. I'm excited for you to learn from Eric. I know I'm going to be taking notes again for sure because I usually do when Eric's in the front of the room and up front. So if you'd help me welcome Eric to the show today. Eric, thanks for jumping on, man. If folks don't know you, man, maybe just take a minute, introduce yourself, a little bit of who you are, where you're at, and how you ended up getting coaxed into being on this show today. Jody, first off, man, I just want to say I am best known, and I think my greatest title is Friend of Jody. I want to just, I want to pause (laughs) you and just say, Man, thank you, Jody. As I was thinking about being on this podcast, I want to thank you. You are literally the embodiment of long-haul longevity in ministry. And in in so many different contexts, brother, like you have faithfully served. I think of the words of Eugene Peterson, right? A long obedience in the same direction. And so there are so many of us that tune into your podcast that are friends with you, that are being mentored and encouraged by you. And you are such an example to us, man. And so I just want to say on behalf of all the students, leaders, youth pastors that you have influenced, thank you. And and it's an honor to share the airwaves for a few minutes today to to talk about youth ministry. But I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you for what yeah. you do. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on the show. It was great having you. Great. Uh, we'll see everyone yeah. next week at the next episode. And, uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, all right. Well, hey, so, yeah, my, my name is Eric, and I am a high school pastor. I'm a student ministries pastor. And I'm one of the teaching pastors at our church. I've been in youth ministry, student ministries for over 15 years now. I've been at this current church that I'm at for nine years. And that has been such a gift. They haven't fired me yet. They've, they've kept me on staff. So I'm at least, you know, barely passing. Uh, but I, I just, I, I love the opportunity to be in the same space for long enough to see some of the fruit that we've been able to see. And I just consider it a privilege to, to lead alongside my other teammates and our staff and our volunteers and, and to learn from guys like you. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, nine years, man, that's a big deal. 
Yeah. It's a big deal. That's a cool yeah. journey. Well, hey, we were, I was telling everybody in the, in the intro of setting up, like, hey, you and I were texting back and forth, which, you know, is not jibber rare. We do. And I said, hey, if you had a chance to be in front of a room full of youth pastors, because I'd just gotten off the phone with another youth pastor, right, who's, who's struggling trying to navigate some things. And it's all, like, mm-hmm. what would you say today? Because I think in some ways, I wonder if what I had, what I w- advice I would have given before COVID is the same as now, right? And I start sitting down and looking at the list. I'm like, man, you know what? Yeah, it's kind of the same. Like, I don't know that, yeah, I don't know that for me, COVID has changed much of what I would tell a youth pastor. And so it was encouraging to see the things you shot back and you shot them real quick. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's something you've been thinking about or if it was just what came top of mind, but I was like, dang, he's prepared. Like, Dude, ever since, ever since episode one, I've been waiting for you to invite me, bro. So <laughs> I'm like, I've actually he's just waiting. written down for years, man. <laughs> That's great. So here's what I thought we'd do. Just casual. Yeah. Just you and I and, you know, 14 listeners. What, what it would look like, just to kind of walk through this list that you gave me. Yeah. And then maybe we just dive in a little bit to each briefly as yeah. we go. Well, Jody, let me let me start by saying I couldn't agree with you more about the consistency of, or the similarity of kind of our encouragement to youth pastors pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. In fact, I think if anything, we just need to double down on what we were already trying to encourage youth pastors, leaders, church workers in because they're more important now than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question. There's no question. We had our kind of end of year small group leader, you know, thing. Yeah. And I'm just sitting in this theater looking at these youth, youth volunteers, you know, that have come yeah. alongside us in this. And, and some of them, a lot of them new, to be honest, and, and some who've been with us a long time, you know. Yeah. And and I, and I'm just like, man, to think of the people who are running with us, it's just such a big deal. And I look at the challenges and things that our students are facing, and it just makes yeah. me... It makes yeah. me mad, <laughs> you know, like it just makes me mad that the enemy is coming after, it's just coming after our kids. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, nah, yeah, I'm not doing that. Not on my watch. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's go. I love it. I don't know. And, and, and more so now after COVID than before, but it's kind of my point is like, mm-hmm. I think our kids have come out, you know, more under attack than they even were beforehand. Yeah. And, you know, for some, I would imagine it, and it, look, I will say this for me, it's overwhelming most days. Yeah. yeah, like the 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 thought of navigating the difficulties and challenges that families and yes. students are navigating—it's overwhelming, right. and it's enough to make you want to quit. Yeah, but I just can't because it just, like I said, it just makes me mad. I'm like, you're not going to do that. Yeah. You know, it, it can fire you up or it can chase you away, and for me, it yeah. fires me up. It makes me yeah. want to run harder towards it, even though I feel way out of my depth. So I appreciate the list because of that, because I think so many of these things mm-hmm. on this list really are what allows you to continue to run, you know, in terms of longevity, especially. And I didn't even ask you when we were asking, when I was asking for, you know, your thoughts, I wasn't saying, Hey, in terms of longevity, Mm -hmm. I just said, Hey, what would you say? Yeah. And yet when I looked at this, I was like, ah, man, yeah, that's what it takes to not only be in youth ministry, but to stay. Sure. It's really good. Yeah. So you want to run through the list? I'd love to, man. Okay. So I kind of, it came up with five, and I'm sure there are many more, and I'm excited to hear from your listeners what resonates, what doesn't, what they would add to this list, what you would add to this list, Jody. So please, as I'm commenting, just feel free to say, Eric, you're actually wrong on this, and uh, here's a much better list. But I'll, I'll start with, you know, the first one I, I wrote you was healthy youth ministries require healthy pastors and leaders 
So prioritize healthy rhythms. I think the health of our ministries is directly connected to the health of us as leaders. And in at least, I think I could probably speak for a lot of youth pastors. We're, we're rebuilding right now. We're, you know, it was a, a COVID for us. The word we described that we used to describe COVID was pivot, right? It was all about pivoting. Are we, are we on Zoom this week? Are we in person? Are we wearing masks? Are we not? Are we on YouTube, Instagram? Like where are we just constantly pivoting? Now, as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic and post-pandemic ministry, our word is rebuild. That we're, we're rebuilding our ministry. And then a part of me had to just sort of like sigh and just go, okay, what was no longer is. And yet there's an incredible opportunity before us. I need to let go of the numbers. I need to let, you know, pre-pandemic numbers, pre-pandemic momentum, pre-pandemic culture. Had to let go of those things and say, we are now entering a season of rebuilding, which is exciting, which is yeah. exciting because there's new students, new families, new leaders, new opportunities to rebuild. But we have to re-communicate our culture. We have to re-communicate our values. We have to double down on who God has called our ministry to be and what we'll do. All that, you know, considering. I'm going, I'm finding myself tempted to go back to my early years in ministry where I was working you know, 15 hours a day, seven days a week, because I didn't know what I was doing, trying to create something. And early on in ministry, the Lord taught me, I'm the one that's building this thing. I've called you to help rebuild, but I'm the one build. You're the one, you know, God's the one building this thing. We join him in that. And I've got to trust him in that. And if I want to do ministry for the long haul, which Jody, you have been a great inspiration to me. I mean, I, I want to follow in your footsteps and being in the same places for a long time, committed to ministry for the long haul. I will not get there if I burn myself out, right? Yeah. If I have unhealthy rhythm. So for me right now, I'm a seminary student. I'm a uh, student ministries pastor uh, overseeing our teams. I teach on the weekends about once a month. I've got four kids, so four little kids. And so um, if I'm not careful, every hour of my day, could get used up on me doing, doing, and doing. And so health for me right now in this season looks like prioritizing Sabbath like I've never done before. So I, I try to take Friday night to Saturday night where I don't do any schoolwork. I don't do ministry. I'm just present with my family, connecting with God. And that has become more important than ever before. And so I think of, you know, when I think of ministry and rhythms, you know, in our context, we kind of have a fall rhythm spring rhythm, summer rhythm, um, taking times, taking breaks, taking weeks off, prioritizing vacations, prioritizing days off, prioritizing times where I'm not preaching and teaching, but sitting under other people in our ministry that are preaching and teaching on, you know, some of those rhythms have been so helpful for me. And I would just encourage anyone in this rebuilding phase of ministry to, to really spend time thinking about that because we want to make an impact for the long haul, right? We're not interested in a return on investment from only six weeks of ministry. We want to put in years and years and years and see God do amazing things in and through that. Yeah. And I think, you know, depending on where you are, like you mentioned kind of where you are in life, your phase of life, like those rhythms yeah. that you're talking about, they're going to look different Yes, from season to season, you know, young yeah. kids to teens, you know, we're... Yeah. We're launching kids out of our house, right? At this yeah. point, that 
that looks different than yeah. when our kids were really small. Yeah. When I was, you know, in school trying to just figure out how to make it all happen. Like that rhythm looked different yeah. than it does now. And even and I love what you said in this in the sense that my pre pandemic rhythm is mm-hmm. gonna be different even than now. And my early years of ministry definitely looks different than now. Yep. Yeah. And I think you just have to find what that looks like. And if you're married, mm-hmm. that's a conversation to have with your spouse. It's certainly a conversation to have with, you know, those that are in authority over you where you serve. Yeah. But it it, it you know, I think and I and I you can speak to this. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I think sometimes when we talk about health, healthy rhythms, because for so many years now we've talked about balancing family and ministry. Sure. That people automatically go to, oh, I have to protect my family from the church. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's biblical. Even to say out loud to me sounds like horrible. Uh-huh. Personally, I think you know, fighting for health is different than fighting for balance. And so I always like to articulate that. Like there are going to be seasons in your life where your family is going to need you more than your ministry, and you better recognize that. Yep. And there's also seasons where your ministry is going to need you a little more than your family, and you need to recognize that. I don't think anybody really, no one really talks about that much. Yeah. But like I've never been one. My wife and I have never said, man, we want to protect our family from the church. Just the opposite. Like I want my kids to be a part of it, a thriving part of it. Now, I don't want them to see all the crud that sometimes I deal with as a pastor. So I do want to kind of guard them from that because I want them to walk in and worship. And I want them to love the church Mm -hmm. and not necessarily see all the ugly. But I think those rhythms change. You've got to evaluate those. You can't, if you walk away and you go, oh man, I've got to, I gotta set and prioritize healthy, healthy priorities, which I, or rhythms, which I agree totally with what you're right. saying. But if you hear that and you say, "Ah, I need to do, I need to be away from church more and at home more," maybe this is a season that requires that of you, and that's a conversation to have with those in leadership over you. Maybe it's not, and it'll get you fired, right? Yeah. And so, I think navigating that's important. I don't know yeah. your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I I love what you're saying. I I think that if you're at a church, if you're serving in church where you're constantly trying to protect your family from them, I I, I think you need to sort of evaluate, like, is this a healthy church? Now, there's no such thing as a perfect church, right? No such thing as a perfect church. And, and, you know, I want my kids to love Jesus, to love the local church. And if Every waking minute of my day is spent at the local church. They will feel abandoned. They will be frustrated by that. But yeah, yeah. involving your family as much as you can in the ministry has always been a real special treat. And and at least as a dad with kids, you know, I, I want my kids to love being pastor's kids. And yeah. part of that means that they know that I love them, value them, that they're not just like, a side project for me that my main focus is the ministry. No, like I, I do believe that I'm called to love and serve and care for my family and that out of a healthy family, we can serve our ministries more healthily. But, but I do think that incorporating our families into the ministry is an incredible gift. And, and you know, that old phrase, right? Like more is caught than it's taught. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've given messages about marriage and dating and you know, how to be a good husband or how to be in a healthy relationship. Our students will not remember any of those messages, but they will remember how Sarah and I, my wife and I, how we interacted with each other, right? They'll, they'll see how I'm interacting with my kids. And so 
church life becomes an opportunity for me to one, just love and care for my family as we're worshiping together in, in our church, but also an opportunity to model for students and leaders what uh, a healthy family that loves Jesus, you know, hopefully an imperfect one looks like. Yeah, that's great. That's good. I think that's a conversation. I would say, man, definitely a conversation to have in terms of what do you need to prioritize and what do those healthy rhythms look like for you in this season? Yeah. And Jody, I would say too, one one of the things that you were touched on, like, you know, it always looks a little different, different, different seasons, different times. You know, one of the, one of the gifts over these last few years that I've been given is a mentor. Uh, I asked a guy in our church to step into my life and to just ask me questions, pray for me, challenge me. And he's a man who loves God's word, loves prayer, has has been a Christian for so many decades now, and just has handled adversity and suffering in a way like I've never seen before. And so he's just a guy I admire. And my goodness, having a mentor, someone that I can just, boom, share everything I'm thinking through. Because you know, as as pastor, there are certain groups that you can't always share exactly what you're thinking and feeling. And so to have a mentor where, where that's possible has just been such a lifeline and a gift yeah. to help me navigate the really hard seasons we've been in these last few years. Yeah, that's great. You got to have folks around you. There's no question about that. Yeah. And there's no excuse. You can find them. They're out there. Yep. That's right. So cool. Okay. That's a good one. That's a good start. Yeah. Look at that. Look at this. All right. Num- number two. Okay. Number two. Celebrate other youth pastors or other churches instead of comparing yourself or your church to them. Okay. I don't, I haven't met a youth pastor, haven't met a youth pastor or a pastor in general that hasn't struggled at some level or another with comparing yourself or your church to another pastor or to another church. We've all been there. I mean, it's, it's like the great common temptation that all of us face. And what I want all of us to remember is every time we play that game, we lose, right? As soon as you start playing that comparison game, you lose. And, and not only do you lose in, in terms of your own feeling discouraged, your own discouragement, but you lose in that you can't celebrate somebody you're competing with. Yeah. You can't pray. It's so hard to pray for somebody that you're struggling to celebrate. It's, it's like we each have different assignments, different contexts, different callings by God. And rather than just fully embracing that and enjoying the reality that we are unique, that every church is unique, every pastor, every leader is unique, and celebrating each other, we get in these stupid games, whether, whether it's I'm scrolling on Instagram and I'm seeing what other people are doing and I become jealous and, and the temptation then is, okay, I need to copy what they're doing. And I yeah. miss out when I copy, when I copy another youth pastor, I miss out on hearing God's voice and what it is that he wants me to do in my context. I've worked in, I've done youth ministry in so many different contexts. There's things that work in the urban space that don't work in the suburban space, right? There's things yeah. that work in rural spaces that don't work in urban spaces. And so contextualization but what, about, but what about in the desert ah, <laughs> we don't know yet what works out there we're still no, we, in the that is true phases. <laughs> why would anybody want to live in the desert <laughs> oh sorry well just, sorry. if you want to know what works talk with jody but even yeah even no. that jody like 
no matter how unique our space is, yeah, we can learn from others and it's important oh, to sure. learn from others. That's the beautiful thing about having each other. But as soon as I compare, in other words, as soon as I find my worth based on how well your youth group's doing or how poorly your youth group's doing, then I'm in a real dangerous space because I'm no longer finding my identity in Christ. I'm no longer seeking God's direction for my ministry. I'm just looking to be better than you. Right. And I think that's a scary place to be. Oh, for sure. For sure. I love that. And I think that's more important than ever. And I would say, I would let me ask, what does that look like? Yeah. Like when you say celebrate other youth pastors and churches, what, yeah. how, what practically what does that look like? Yeah. Like how is that done? So, so when I see on Instagram a youth pastor or a youth group that's doing something really awesome, one of my disciplines is just texting that youth pastor or leader and just saying, "Hey, saw what you did. So inspired by it. You're awesome. I'm praying for you. I want to like, I want to intentionally do something before even those feelings come up in me of jealousy." I want to choose to respond with gratitude, remembering that we are all a part of one body of Christ. I, I was listening to a leadership talk recently, and, and the pastor was reminded me of that quote, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Yeah. Right? Count, like that, Count Zinzendorf of, is that's who said that. His name is Count Zinzendorf. Yeah. Gosh, that beard, that, that goatee really has some wisdom and knowledge in it, doesn't it? Count Count Zinzendorf. And the irony is, it's the only thing he's remembered for. <laughs> no one has forgotten it. <laughs> I love it. So, gosh, what freedom to embrace that. Yeah. L- let me ask you a question, Jody. Do you remember, or, or do you know the name of your great-great-grandfather? My great-great-grandfather. No. Yes. For most of us listening, mm-hmm. the answer is no. No, I do not. Right? For most of us. And yet that's only a few generations away. Now their impact has obviously left a mark on all of us, but we can't even name them. The reality is so many, the vast majority of the human race will be forgotten. So I don't want to use this time that I have right now being jealous and so consumed by what everyone else is doing. I want to be faithful to what God has called me to do right now in this faith and to find joy in it, to find joy in it. That's real good. Making notes here of things I need to change in my life because of you. Thank you. Okay, number three. Number three. Great ministries have great systems. I love this. One. Great ministries have great systems. I remember thinking early on in my ministry experience and season that great ministries are led by rock star leaders. That that great ministries have great rock star pastors leading it. And while, you know, God is uniquely gifted certain people to kind of function in those really high capacity ways, the more I dive into what really, what really makes great, sustainable, healthy ministries awesome is that they have systems that support the vision that God has given them. They have those systems that support discipleship, evangelism, connecting students with leaders, kind of moving them down the next steps pathway. And so I would encourage anyone doing any kind of youth ministry to want evaluate your systems, right? Because currently the systems you have are producing the results that you have. So what systems are missing right now in your ministry? What, what holes have you that need to be filled? And rather than trying to fill those with like a personality, 
think of a system that's bigger than you that could outlive you, that could continue on even if you're on vacation, even if you're gone on sabbatical, even if you're you end up transitioning out of that ministry. And so, so I give think me an systems example. are key. Give me an example of a system when you say that. Okay. So a system for us is on a Wednesday night, whenever a when students come, they are put into a life group. So a brand new student comes to our ministry. They're put into a life group. They fill out a connect card. That connect card gives us the opportunity to follow up with them, to send them a postcard. Nobody gets things in the mail anymore, so we'll sometimes send a postcard. We send out a text update through that. We can reach out to the parent through that. It begins a relationship, gets them in our database, and then we add them to our text update so that as, as they've expressed interest in being a part of our ministry, now we've kind of put them in this pipeline where they will regularly get updates. So on Wednesday nights, I'm not going, okay, what students do I need to text to remind them about this event? We use this texting system that we know students who have opted in, who have filled out the card, are getting those messages and getting communicated to. I think about our system of recruiting volunteer leaders. So in the high school ministry that, that I lead, our expectation is that leaders serve for four years with us, which that is the number one factor that deters people from leading. And of course, if a leader says, hey, I can only give you two years, then we'll look at our junior class, our junior or senior class. And if we have a hole that needs to be filled, if we have a leader that, that we need to fill that spot, we'll plug them in there. But our kind of destination is graduation day. And we want leaders to walk with their students all the way through graduation. Well, we have an re intentional recruiting process where an interested leader comes and observes our ministry. They fill out an application. We meet with them and cast the vision for why investing for four years is significant. We, we instill it into the culture and we have about a 90% retention rate where our leaders stick around for four years and pour into these students. But it doesn't happen by just finding someone at church and going, hey, would you mind leading a life group this week? It's a <laughs> right. long recruiting process that's a system so that we produce a leader that's, that's engaged for four years. Yeah, I love that. We have a few. How about for you? Tell me about your systems. Yeah, we have, I mean, I like systems a lot. So I yeah. try to I try to make them for everything I can. Yeah. We have, you know, I, we have simple. So some simple ones. Our administrative assistant pulls the birthdays of, you know, each students each month across all of our campuses and our ministries. Yeah. And we have custom postcards that we printed that are happy yep. birthday, right? Yeah. And then every month, at the beginning of the month, every student pastor on all, all of our campuses gets a stack. Hey, these are the kids that has a birthday this month. Already right. stamped, already pre-addressed. Literally, yep. the student pastor just writes the message, drops them back, and they get mailed. That's beautiful. So they're getting, every kid is getting a happy birthday postcard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's easy win for the student pastor, right? We do something similar with our volunteers where, you know, I've got, if for us, it's a coordinator, but we could be a volunteer, another volunteer, or a, mm -hmm. the same administrative assistant who, for a volunteer who has a wedding anniversary, you know, similar thing. We've got cards and yeah. gift cards that go out automated. We we are really intentional at the end of the year to recognize our volunteers in terms of if they've served one year with us, five years or ten years with students. Wow. wow. With certain with certain little things, or you know, when a new when a new volunteer comes in, we give them we have a box of stuff they get. You know, it's like your wow. volunteer shirt, your t shirt, and a yep. tumbler that has the student logo on it, and yeah. and the box says "Welcome to the team." So things like that that kind of help everybody win because my goal and and you know my my role now is a little different than it has been in the past but 
those are things that I was doing even when the role I was in was different, yeah. when I was the only guy, right? Those yep. same systems existed there. Yeah. My, my goal now is I don't, and even for our small group volunteers, like I tell them, I don't want to make it, you know, easy for you to succeed. That's not my goal. My goal is to make it really, really impossible for you to fail. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so what are the systems that I can put in place that help yeah. you succeed and be a more intentional leader? Or for our student pastors, what does it look like for you guys to be more intentional with your volunteers or with your students? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, but I think they can look different, you know, depending on the context. I I love that. I was thinking about volunteer leaders. And here's this idea that I literally stole from some of the youth pastors. I don't remember who, but I stole this from a youth pastor. At the end of our leader application is this kind of fun survey of questions, like maybe 15 to 20 questions of, hey, what's your favorite copy shop? Uh, what, what, what kind of gum do you like to chew? Uh, if you could go out to any restaurant, where would it be? What's your shirt size? What, uh, you know, how are you best encouraged? Just this list of survey questions. We keep that on file. Yeah. And every yeah. time we sense a specific leader needs to be encouraged, we're able to specifically through the system, specifically care for them in a way that would be just more generalized otherwise. Right. So like, yeah. let's say I, I want to encourage Mike. If I, you know, I could just get him a Starbucks gift card or I could look and find out, man, Pete's coffee is his favorite. If I get him a Pete's coffee gift card and a little note, that shows Mike that we care about him. That we, and it's impossible for me to remember all of my leaders' favorite things. But through this right. system, I'm able to specifically care for them through that. Or I think about whenever I meet up with my leaders, you know, I, I probably two or three times a year, I have this really intentional one-on-one time with every single one of my volunteer leaders and i have a system i have you know five or six questions that i ask every single one of them to make sure that i'm caring for them that i'm getting uh feedback and thoughts from them and so just having systems like that i think enables you to do more effective ministry and and honestly it's more personal you can care for people better through uh dynamic systems yeah i love it we do the same thing questionnaire we use it at summer camp you know, on Wednesday, we give a little goodie yeah. bag, and it's all their favorites. And the funny thing is they never remember filling it out. So they're like, oh, my gosh, how did you know these are my favorite? Like, uh, I love that. Okay, love that. number right. four. Number four, leadership development should be one of your highest priorities, right? And, and, and we've all heard the phrase, leaders are readers. Um, if, if you're not growing as a leader then you're going to become stagnant and you're just going to start to kind of do what you've always done before. And I think the leader, the leader needs to highly prioritize their own leadership development. And here, let me just get on my kind of soapbox for, for a minute here. You know what annoys me more than anything? I mean, it's just because I'm a pastor and I'm sensitive to this, but what annoys me more than anything is when people say, I, I'm not being spiritually fed or, or I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not being developed as a leader. I believe that those things can be true, but my first, like, maybe it's sinful. I don't know what it is, but my first gut response is, what are you doing to intentionally participate in your own growth and development? Yeah. Because it's not anybody else's responsibility to grow you and develop you. Of course, healthy organizations have opportunities for that, but I am way more drawn to the leader who says, I want to spiritually grow. I want to increase my leadership capacity. What can I do to, to make that happen? And so I think you prioritizing reading books, listening to podcasts like this one, meeting up with mentors and other pastors and leaders, going to conferences. But honestly, Jody, like I just find 
Yeah, I, I love going to big conferences. Those are really, really fun. I find I get way more out of a conversation with you. I find that when you and I sit down and, and just a fellow youth pastor in the trenches serving students, when I hear you talk about things, all of a sudden my, I, my mind starts to go crazy with, oh, well, what, oh I, I could do that. Or, oh, that made me think about this. And, and so I just think surrounding yourself with other high caliber leaders and being intentional to ask questions. You know, I find that in our social media driven culture right now, so many of us want to be the most interesting person in the room. I think a far better approach, I think a far better approach is to aim to be the most interesting person in a room, right? Look, I read every single year and forgetfulness. And I love it because it's only like 50 pages. And so I always start the year feeling like really accomplished. Like I read a book, only 50 pages, really easy. (laughs) In it, he talks gospel person is somebody who takes such a significant interest in others and doesn't always bring things back to themselves. I want to show up to conversations with people with tons of curiosity and tons of intrigue and tons of interest rather than showing up going, okay, what, how can I be perceived as the most interesting person? I want to be perceived as the most interested person. And so I think when you have that mindset, that kind of curiosity, you're going to attract high caliber leaders. You're going to get some great thoughts and you're going to become a better leader in the process. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I like to read too, but I would say this too about the, I would say this about the leadership thing too. Like, um, yeah, read when growing as a leader means more than just listening to leadership podcasts and reading leadership books some of it what you learn by doing and developing yourself so like when you sit down and do your reading list for the year don't just stack it with leadership books like throw some fiction in there that's going to inspire you and encourage you to or you know to be more creative or or just to to rest even in some of that stuff and what it is yeah because I think sometimes we feel this pressure like, oh, every book has to be 10, 10 checkpoints mm. to being a better leader. Like, no, man, yeah. sometimes it's just being a better you, well, being a better good. faithful you, being a better believer, being a better faithful husband. Like, I'm a better pastor when I'm a better husband. Yeah. Um, Jody, can I riff so, on that for a second? Yeah. I, I love I love what you brought up there about challenging yourself and even even looking at your own leadership context and, and the ministry you run as an opportunity to grow. I remember I was in a season as a communicator and as a preacher where I was looking back on all my notes and I was going, okay, I've been telling a lot of stories, which is kind of my wheelhouse. Like I love telling stories. I enjoy telling stories. So I was looking back at my notes, realizing now I've been telling a lot of stories, but I'm not using hardly any illustrations or I'm not using hardly any props. And so Mm. I started to challenge myself. I said, you know what I'm going to do is I want to make sure from now on in every single talk that I give for this, you know, for the foreseeable future. I want to make sure I include either one illustration or one prop with me. And so I would challenge myself and I started to do that. And then I realized, you know, I haven't actually been telling as many stories. And so I I was kind of trying to constantly evaluate my speaking and saying, okay, how can I grow and develop? And in the same way, I think for you in whatever context you're in and whatever leadership capacity you're in to maybe say, okay, what are some things I'm not doing as a leader that would be good for me to try and experiment with those, try those out. Yeah, that's great. I we could, I could go all day about books and reading and, and developing leaders, but that's another show for another day. Okay, number five. All right, number five. Last is this. 
it's not about you. What? I think Rick Warren began his mildly popular book that way. It's not about you, right? He, he, I think that's how, how it opens Purpose Driven Life. Serve your heart out. Trust God and give him the glory. Gosh, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, our people can become a platform to build off of, right? Our people can become means to an end. And I just think that's really ungodly and unbiblical thinking. God's people that he has called you to lead and reach and serve matter so much to him. And as soon as I begin thinking about my students or my ministry as an opportunity to grow my platform or to get more speaking engagements or to become this or that, I'm in a really, really dangerous place. Jesus has called me to love my neighbors, to serve people, not to use people, right? You use tools, you don't use people. But there's a danger out there for ministry leaders to use their people, to use their churches, to expand their own platform. And I just think, you know, that's something I, I, I want to I, I constantly confess myself. Well, let me just tell you this story that I don't really like sharing, but, but I'm, I'm going to. I, I was asked to speak at this camp and, and I said, oh my gosh, I'd love to. And they said, okay, you just need to go through this process, you know, answer this survey, submit some video teachings, and we'll get you on our speaking rotation. And I can be honest with you, Jody, when I first got that invitation, my first thought was, this is awesome. This is one camp that I can now say wants me to be their speaker. And all of a sudden I began to feel really inflated and encouraged by that. Well, a few weeks went by and I hadn't heard from them until finally I got an email and the person I had been contacting with that had reached out to me said, Eric, I'm so sorry. You, you've been rejected as one of our speakers. And I was <laughs> devastated, bro. I was devastated because my identity and worth and value were wrapped up in that people wanted me to speak at things. And now this person who pursued me doesn't want me speaking at the things. And it happened to be Wednesday nights, which if you're a youth pastor, you know, oh, whatever yeah. night of the, you know, whatever the night of the week you guys meet, that's the night, that's the day Satan loves to go after you and all the worst things happen. So it was Wednesday and I was sitting in my office. And I just felt like God told me, Eric, I want you to tell your students about this. And I was like, God, like, this is adding <laughs> salt to a wound. Like, I'm already feeling low. Now you want me to tell my students who I want them to think I'm a great speaker. You want me to tell them that a camp doesn't want me to speak for them? And, you know, we were preaching that night about spiritual gifts and that the point of our spiritual gifts are for others and not for ourselves. Hmm. And I realized speaking this camp was not about others it was about me yeah. um, and you know the crazy part of the story is like six months later that same camp came back to me and said hey we'd like you to speak for us and i was like why are you doing this <laughs> this is so cruel and then they ended up accepting me and i submitted all the same stuff so i don't know what was going on other than the fact that god was humbling me god was teaching me something in that process that it's not about me it's about him and that's what's fun about ministry is when you take a step back and, and just realize, man, God is in charge. Like there's so many places in the beginning of Genesis with Abraham and Sarai where, or Abram and Sarah and Abraham and Sarah, who God just makes them laugh. And I think if you're doing ministry that's inspired by the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a lot of moments where you just sit back and laugh and you just go, 
only God could have done this. This isn't me. This is only is an only God moment. Yeah, that's so good. Well, man, thanks. Thanks for jumping on. That's a lot of wisdom. Absolutely. Let's say folks wanted to connect with you beyond this. Maybe they wanted to invite you to come speak at their camp. Yeah. <laughs> and only so they could yeah. tell you no. Yeah. <clears throat> no. If folks seriously, if folks want to connect with you uh, beyond this, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Where can they find yeah, you? Yeah, if you want to, if you want to ask me to speak at your camp, you can find me on MySpace. You can find me <laughs> What's on hotmail.com. No, no, I yeah, the, the best way would probably just be on Instagram. I think it's eric.h.homestrom or you know, you can email me erich at purposechurch.com. Kind of that that's where those are the two places that I'm at. But man, I would love any opportunity to encourage any youth pastors and and I just think you know, I want to just say to everyone listening, stay in the game. Even if right now you're thinking about, man, I, I just want to throw in the towel and done. I want to encourage you, stay engaged, stay invested. Unless God's clearly calling you out, uh, keep your head up and surround yourself with great people like Jody who can encourage you because God has incredible things in store, but it's through the longer haul. It's through the commitment to longevity, I think, that we'll get to yeah. really see some amazing fruit of our ministry. I love that. Well, thanks, man. Again, thanks for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Hey, thanks for jumping on and listening, everybody, and hanging with us here. Uh, if you haven't yet already, again, I mentioned it earlier, I'd love for you to uh, join the Facebook podcast group and or jump on the mailing list. So you can head to longerhall.com there to find uh, how to jump on the mailing list. The Facebook group, of course, is over on the Facebook. I'll put a link for that in the show notes. and And then you can find show notes every week at thelongerhall.com. So if you need to hit that, as well as check out previous episodes, you can also find those wherever you listen to podcasts, your favorite spot. So anyway, thanks again. We Man, I hope you've taken notes. There's a lot in here that I've written down on the side here as we've been walking through, just thinking through and processing for myself. We want you to stay in this thing. We want you to be encouraged. You're making a massive impact, even if you don't feel like it today. Don't give up. So I think that'll do it for today. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Stay at it.